0: This is a podcast by The Straits Times. You are listening to A Letter from the Bureau, a podcast by The Straits Times. I'm your host and ST's foreign editor, Li Xueying. In our 28th episode, we are speaking with ST's Japan correspondent, Walter Sim. We're now into 2024 and Water is giving us a sneak peek of the trends that are likely to catch fire in Japan this new year. But before we do so, he takes us through the facts of 2023. Good to have you on the show, Water.
1: Glad to be on show.
0: So Water, we're reaching the end of 2023. It's been a busy year for Japan and also for you as our correspondent there. So we have, of course, Japan's leadership of G7, the release of the Fukushima water and the reset in Japan-South Korea ties. Amidst all of that, you have managed to find time to write for us about the social trends that have taken Japan by storm this year. So would you like to sum up the year for Japan on this front?
1: Well, yes, it's really been quite an exciting year for Japan, I think. There are just so many social trends that have a reason. I, I guess one thing that stuck in my mind is of course the increase in the use of genderless uniforms, be it in mm. schools and, and businesses, yes. uh, which I've written about several months ago. There is also this growing trend of restaurants serving insects as food as well. So I think that's something that might stick in the future, especially since Japan is focusing even more on SDGs and insects are being seen as so-called the food of the future. Mm. So I think that's something that Japan would continue to focus
0: on going forward as well. Okay, so I would want to ask you a bit more about the genderless school uniforms. Um, So meaning girls have the option of wearing trousers, and I guess a bit more surprisingly, boys have the option of wearing skirts. So can you tell me a bit more about this? How common is it for schools to have such a policy?
1: It's definitely increasingly common, and we see what's in Tokyo, for instance, Edogawa what creating a policy for the municipality itself such that all schools within the municipality uh, would allow students to have the option of choosing what kind of uniforms to wear. And that's not just restricted in Tokyo, of course. Uh, we see this movement increasingly throughout Japan, including in rural areas of the country as well. So, I do think that giving school going children more choices on this front is definitely a trend that's going to be here to stay. And beyond the education sector, we do see employees of companies such as Spectacle Maker Jin, Budget Align Air Japan, for instance. And even Disney earlier this year has said that it was allowing its employees to decide what kind of uniforms they are allowed to wear. Of course, uh, I I do think that females wearing trousers is still a lot more common than men wearing skirts, which I I think takes a bigger leap of courage and faith. Mm. But with that in mind that have been few but notable instances of boys wearing skirts to schools, um, as I highlighted in the story. And and, and I, I do think that, you know, given that this trend is still nascent, we might see more and more instances of this in years to come.
0: And what kind of reactions do these boys get when they wear skirts to school? Is there bullying about it? How do people react?
1: I guess it really depends on how open-minded the school is and how accepting the environment that they are in. So for the instance that I highlighted in the story, I spoke to a Mr. Hinata Kubo. Uh, He attended a high school in Hiroshima, which has had this policy for years, even though he has since graduated and now is studying in Okinawa. But basically in, in his high school, he says that the environment was so accepting that there was no such instance of bullying. But rather the other boys in his school look up to him as kind of a role model, as a trollblazer on this front. I see. So so I guess he was kind of lucky to be in that sort of environment. Though mm. of course bullying is still an issue, a major issue in a lot of Japanese schools as well. But back to the school which he attended he did have the freedom to choose what to wear. Other boys kind of look up to him as a role model. And so it's not so much the reactions that he got in school that kind of troubled him, but rather the reactions that he got on the way to school um when you, you see passers by mm. giving him strange looks mm. and even worse, the reactions that got after his story was picked up by the Japanese broadcaster NHK where he was at the receiving end of a lot of online ritual mm. by anonymous people. And he kind of had to brush off these comments as, you know, people who are unaccepting and but yet within his immediate environment, I, I would say that people have been accepting and, and so I, I guess this kind of leads to the question of how accepting and how friendly the environment a person is growing up in.
0: Yes. So this does, you know, run up against the stereotype of Japan as a conformist society. And I was just curious to know whether this trend is indicative of how social change in Japan could happen. So it happens rather slowly, maybe from the fringes, but do you see increasingly a spirit of experimentation in Japan? Well, I I guess,
1: yes, you're right to say that Japan has this stereotype as a conformist society if you think of how Japanese students, for instance, are expected to follow or conform to a particular look, how Japanese men and women are supposed to conform to a particular look when they go to the office. But on the flip side, I do think that Japan society is kind of extreme. Mm. If you just go to see Harajuku on a weekend, you would see mm. people, cosplayers, experimenting with all sorts of different uh, kinds of looks and fashion. So, so in this sense, I would say that Japan, whilst being conformist, has a lot of room for expression of uh, oneself. And and in terms of social change, I think Japan has in fact been changing. And and I do think that there is generational gap at play here as well. Uh, Amongst younger Japanese, we see surveys in the media saying that younger Japanese, possibly because of the media diet that they grew up with. We see boys love dramas being very common here in Japan and, and so on. Possibly because of the media diet that they grew up in, they're a lot more accepting of LGBT relationships. Mm. They are more accepting of, say, same-sex marriages. Mm. Younger Japanese are more accepting of, say, having different surnames even after marriage. Yes. So so these are some of the social changes that younger Japanese are accepting of, but yet this has not directly translated into policy because, well, there's still a generational gap. and, And I guess, Given Japan's large number of elderly population, I, I suppose politicians see that you know you have to cater to them to get more votes. I I think, uh, so there's that at play as well. There's an increasing trend of fluidity in the Japanese workplace. Mm. So younger Japanese not only do not subscribe to the idea of life, long term lifelong employment anymore, they are more willing to experiment. Japan is kind of recovering its animal spirits, I would say. Uh, there's this push towards innovation. We see younger Japanese more open towards joining startups, for instance. And and of course, joining a startup would kind of lead to more instability, perhaps in wages and so on. But I guess that's a, they see it as a good balance to have because it, it kind of wins them work-life balance. It kind of gives them more challenge and more room to grow as a person as well. So I, I think there's, of course, this spirit of experimentation here at Play, I would say.
0: So it sounds like there's some kind of tension going on in the society where things are changing and that's mainly propelled by the younger ones. But policy is taking a while to catch up. And that's also because of the different demographic at play. You know, the people who are still in power, the ones who are making the decisions, they're still mainly from the older generation so, do you see that tension manifesting, and is it what kind of degree is it at at this point?
1: That definitely has to manifest, and we kind of see it as well amongst the politicians. So, mm. Digital Minister Taro Kono, who incidentally is a favorite amongst the youth because he is one of the more progressive LDP politicians, he was recently censured for using his smartphone to check out an answer in response to an opposition question whilst in the Diet, and that kind of raised a lot of eyebrows as to why it even made headlines here in Japan, because mm. with a smartphone, he was able to find an answer to what was being asked immediately rather than, you know, not having the option to do so. And, and, and I, I think for a lot of younger Japanese, they kind of see this as an instance of how Japan is lagging behind uh, in terms mm. of its bureaucracy and some rules just do not make mm. any common sense anymore.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So there was another trend that you chronicled in the letters, and there was about how Japan, the land of exquisite cuisine, of sushi, sashimi, and the best food to offer, has taken to incorporating insects into its diet. And of course, in the name of intrepid journalism, you have yourself tried cricket ramen, which contains the equivalent of 160 crickets. So what was that like?
1: You know, to, to be honest, I was... <laughs> expecting myself to be extremely grossed out by the idea of eating insects. And and, and, and to be honest, I was kind of hesitant mm. because before eating that bowl of ramen, I went to a shop in Ueno which served up grilled crickets. So you can literally see the cricket first hand right out in front of you on skewers. So uh, eating that was Well, I I would say it's an acquired taste. It wasn't terrible, but it definitely took a leap of faith comparatively yes. the cricket ramen was a bit easier to stomach because you don't really see the insect directly in your face and but rather it's being used as an ingredient for the soup. Right. So, uh you do have the option of whether mm. whether to have a fried cricket as a topping in the ramen which I do Did you go for
0: that. I, okay I, good. I went for that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um uh, and, and to be honest it was really surprisingly delicious and I could see why uh, some restaurants and and some in Japan are putting so much effort into researching Mm. insects as a potential source of food given how Japan, contrary to popular belief, Mm. is not really food sufficient because of, well, climate change is one big factor that has reduced catch over the years and because of the limited amount of arable land that Japan has for farming as well. So because of that, Japan is kind of looking towards insects uh, that can be Cultivated with a limited amount of space. Mm. It's a sustainable source of protein. And surprisingly, I, I do see insects being sold in places that I would never have thought of seeing insects being sold. So you see insects may sold at Muji, you see insects may sold at Don Quixote here. Okay. So, so I would say that whilst it's still an acquired taste, I think you know, Japan is a country where if things happen often enough, it will kind of seep into the consciousness. Mm. And, and so I think this is what's happening here. A, a lot of people still, I would say, not dare to eat it. But if they do give it a try, if if they learn about the benefits of eating crickets, for instance, which to be honest, to me, kind of tasted like prawns, mm. eating prawns with the heart shell on, mm. um, I, I would say that acceptance might grow even more right on this front
0: okay sounds like something i should try on my next trip to japan okay well, so well,
1: let, let me know i would <laughs> glad to bring you to the ramen restaurant
0: okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay so just one last thing um Jota, looking to 2024 what what kind of trends can you predict for us that will take off in japan
1: hmm it's, it's always very difficult to look into the crystal ball but yes and I guess if if I had to think of some trends, I, I, I can think of perhaps three at the top of my head. Mm. Um, firstly, uh, well, I, I have written about it before, and I think this would continue into 2024 is the ongoing sauna boom. Mm. So despite Japan being a land of hot springs, we see sauna sticking off in Japan as busy, tired office workers seek to clear their heads after a long day at work. And and saunas are easily far more accessible than, say, making a trip to an onsen, for instance, especially in metropolitan areas like Tokyo or Osaka. So interestingly, we see a lot of very stylish, new age kind of sauna facilities cropping up all around town that allows people to go in to unknot their stiff shoulders for, say, for anything as short as an hour. So I think this would continue into 2024. Secondly, I, and, and this kind of ties back to the sauna as well, um, Japan being a very sleep-deprived country, mm-hmm. according to several international surveys, I think there's a growing push towards wellness, self-care. Mm-hmm. And so this has given rise to a lot of companies looking into sleep data and how to encourage people to sleep better. So I think this is definitely a focus that will take off even more in 2024. And lastly, I, I guess it kind of ties back to a personal preference for spicy food. <laughs> um, and and and, <laughs> and I guess Japan kind of has this reputation for subtle tastes. So it's it's cuisine is very exquisite mm. and 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 all that. But increasingly, on the flip side, in Japan, there is an increasing trend of extremely spicy. It was extremely spicy ramen. <laughs> and, and, and I think this is set to continue going to the new year.
0: I see, yes, I think. Okay, I look forward to those pieces. Thank you so much, Walter, for coming on the show.
1: Thanks so much, Shering, for having me.
0: Well, that's a wrap for Letter from the Bureau, a podcast by The Straits Times. If you'd like to read Walter Sim's column, we have a link in our podcast show notes. You will also find a link to other articles in our Letter from the Bureau series.
1: Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or within our Straits Times app. Thanks for listening.